Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is the 20th of February 2022. And what a huge, huge week it's been in Australian politics this week. Of course, South Australia is going to the polls. The good news is that the people of South Australia will get the opportunity to cast their judgment on the Marshall Liberal government in South Australia. Labor needs just four seats to win power in South Australia. On March the 19th, there are four suburban seats, Adelaide, Elder, King and Muleland, that are on less than 2% margins. But of course, South Australian politics has been quite the interesting, interesting show. So this is a first-term Liberal government, the Marshall government, and they have had four defections, one a late-night seizing of the speakership by a fellow by the name of Dan Cregan, backed by Labor to knock off Marshall's hand-picked speak over the House. Three were sent to the crossbench, uh, one for over a, an assault accusation, which was later found to be uh, not guilty or was cleared. The charges were dropped, effectively. Uh, and two, who are still facing corruption charges uh, that they will defend after the election. So the Marshall government has many, many fronts on which it must fight this election. There are also two other independents who will be standing in seats that they hold that would traditionally be considered liberal seats. This means that Marshall faces not just having to defend uh, against Labor in four suburban seats, but also trying to win back uh, as many as seven or eight seats from independents or liberal independents. In fact, the liberals have struggled to find candidates to stand against some of these popular independents, uh, such as the dispirited nature of the Liberal Party in South Australia. Peter Malinowskis is launching Labor's campaign today. Uh, undoubtedly, there'll be a big focus on the economy. Uh, many, many young people in South Australia move away from South Australia. They move to Melbourne and Sydney in search of job opportunities. The latest uh, job figures show significant problems with the South Australian economy. And of course, the handling of COVID will undoubtedly pay, play a role as well with the let it rip strategy adopted by New South Wales being imported into South Australia by the Marshall Liberal government. There are many issues of corruption. Many questions were asked of the Attorney General and the appropriateness of some of their conduct. Uh, and of course, Parliament was suspended in order to avoid motions of no confidence against the government uh, last year. This will be an interesting election to watch. There are some federal implications here. There is really only one marginal federal seat, but there is an independent in South Australia federally as well. And of course, the Senate in South Australia is an important uh, part of the federal uh, arena as well. So lots of interest in what's going to happen in South Australia. March 19th is the election day. There'll be lots of pre-polling, lots of postal votes. 
uh, of course, it may well be that a close election result uh, will see the counting continue for some time past March the 19th. But it's quite remarkable that a first-term Liberal government that has steered the state through the pandemic faces genuine threat of losing government uh, so quickly after what was a very long period of a Labor government uh, and really goes to show the good work that Jay Weatherall and Peter Malinowskis have done in their time as leader of the Labor Party in South Australia. So, of course, from my perspective, I wish Peter and his team in South Australia all the very best. Remember, Labor is the party of working people and vote one Labor in South Australia. This week, we also saw the announcement that Western Australia will be reopening to the rest of Australia and indeed the world on March 3rd. This comes at a time when almost 99% of people over the age of 12 in WA are now vaccinated. Uh, Of course, there is expectation that case numbers will rise in WA and how that is managed will be very, very important. Mark McGowan enjoys very high levels of support in Western Australia. And of course, again, at a federal level, with a federal election just around the corner, there are implications for that state and the nation. There are three to five seats that are potentially in play federally in Western Australia. Labor needs to win them. Morrison needs to hold them. And of course, Mark McGowan's popularity has been very high up until now. What happens after March the 3rd may have an impact on what happens federally. We wait to see. Hopefully, all of the appropriate protections are put in place. Hopefully, our elders are well cared for in the aged care settings and our most vulnerable are protected from what will be an increase in COVID case numbers. Hopefully, with those high levels of vaccination, they are much more mild uh, and there are far, far fewer deaths, hopefully no deaths at all, uh, but certainly much more mild cases of COVID. So March the 3rd, WA will be reopening. And if you've got family, friends there, hopefully you'll be able to be reunited with them very, very soon. Now, I want to spend a bit of time today talking about Morrison going all in on a pair of fives. That's what I've called his strategy at the moment. This week, he has attacked Labor on issues of national security. Let's let's put it that way. What he's actually done is a series of both sort of dog whistles uh, and very poor uh, messaging around research that doesn't tell you how to message, but tells you the kind of issues you should be talking about. So let's start at the beginning. Everybody knows political parties do research. They do polling and they do focus groups. And of course, You can read about those polls and the focus groups in newspapers. You can see analysis on television. And that research informs messaging. You can then see that in ads, in announcements, all forms of media. What happens when that research is done is that it measures not just the issues that people think are important. It measures 
how believable your party, your candidate, your group is as a messenger on those issues, how credible you are. So we know from the research that's been publicly put out around the place that broadly speaking, managing the economy is seen as a liberal strength, as is national security in inverted commas. When you get into the detail on some of those things, around, particularly around the economy, so raising wages, creating job security, those sorts of economic issues, on the detail, Labor is often seen as the more credible govern, government for those issues. But on those kind of broad, nebulous ideas of managing the economy as though it's somehow or another a, a a, a wayward cow that has to be wrangled back into a pen and national security as though it's, again, just a singular form that one has to fill in, the Liberals are perceived as the better managers. Of course, those are very complex issues. And on managing the economy, we've seen in the publicly reported polling that Morrison's credibility is declining while Labor's is slowly increasing. So Morrison has decided, clearly, to focus on national security. And this week, we saw him go all in on a pair of fives, basically to decided to attack Labor on national security on the issue of China. Now, China is a complex issue for Australia for a whole range of reasons. It's our largest trading partner. There are many, many Australians of Chinese descent living in Australia, citizens of Australia born in Australia. There are many federal seats with substantial populations of uh, Australian-born Chinese descendants. It is an important regional partner in many, many things. And of course, China itself is governed by the Chinese Communist Party, a non-democratic uh, organization. This means that it is always, always tempting to paint China as a boogeyman. And from time to time, that's what the Liberal Party has done. This week, they went a step beyond. Not only have they painted China as some kind of immediate security threat, despite the fact that China has no interest in Australia militarily whatsoever. Why would China expend blood and treasure on attacking Australia when the reality is that China gets everything it wants from Australia, usually at a discounted price, thanks to the free trade agreement created by the Liberal Party and signed off by Scott Morrison. It is a nonsense. It's designed to create fear and division. And the comments made about Anthony Albanese and the Labor Party on the issue of China have simply been outrageous. They are wild, exaggerated attacks designed to play to that issue of national security credibility. 
course, what the research doesn't show is how to improve your credibility. And it doesn't show the risk of decreasing your credibility. And Morrison this week has done himself some damage. So Nikki Sava on Insiders Today pointed out that research coming out of WA shows that people found Morrison and the Liberal attacks on Labor over China to be wild, exaggerated, without basis, without fact, and frankly, desperate. And they were. And when James Patterson, who is the chair of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence and Security, the Liberal Senator, James Patterson from Victoria, was interviewed on Insiders by David Spears, he could not provide any evidence, any evidence to suggest that Labor is in any way anything other than a safe pair of hands on the issue of national security and a thoughtful governing party when it comes to dealing with China. It was like watching, some people said it was like watching a high school debate captain try and justify some claim with no basis. One of the things that came out this week in an attempt to justify this wild attack was that there was video footage of Anthony Albanese at a community event talking in Mandarin, saying thank you or I appreciate the welcome. It's so good to be here. Now, I've been to many functions with politicians in many different communities. And I can tell you that there has never been a politician from any side of politics that has not mangled the language of another country in an attempt to feel welcome, to provide thanks to their hosts. I've seen it done in Mandarin. I've seen it done in Thai. I've seen it done in Italian, Greek, French, even Ukrainian. And if every politician who mangled another language saying thank you to an event host was suddenly considered to be a traitor, then the entire parliament would have to be locked up in prison. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people who might go, that wouldn't be such a bad outcome. But it goes to show how desperate Morrison is to hold on to government. He's got no policies. He's got no plan. He's got no vision for the country. He has to hold on to power to stop his ministers fronting a federal ICAC. How do we know that? Because the one thing that Morrison really wanted to do was the religious discrimination bill, and he couldn't get it done because the deal that was offered to him by crossbenchers was that if he would put forward a federal ICAC, they would consider his religious discrimination bill. And the Liberal cabinet said no. They said no. So he has nothing. He has a bunch of ministers who are desperate to hold on to power, not to do anything, but simply to avoid having anything done to them. So he now is travelling the country 
with the same circus sideshow that he rolled out in 2019. Morrison kicks a ball. Morrison almost welds his face to a piece of steel. Morrison stands in a cannery and looks around in high-vis gear. All of this is footage designed to give the impression that he's managing the economy, and his doorstop speeches will become increasingly erratic and desperate as he tries to frame up Anthony Albanese and the Labor Party on national security issues. What he doesn't want to talk about is declining wages, rising costs of fuel, of healthcare, of aged care, of childcare, all the things that we require to live our daily lives, the rising cost of food. I was in the supermarket the other day and the price of a bottle of Coke had doubled. There are significant real economic pressures on the Australian people. Job insecurity is rising. Wages are declining. Morrison has no plan for any of that. He has no policies that will stop it. He has no policies that will make our lives better. So instead, he's going all in. He's going all in on national security. And if he keeps going like he has this week, then he will lose. So as uncomfortable as it is to watch, as awful as it is to hear, Morrison's desperation on national security is a sign of a man who's losing. And that, in some ways, has to be good news. I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who has supported the week on Wednesday. We have had huge numbers of downloads so far this year. Lots of people jumping onto buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. Lots of people signing up, joining their union, getting involved, australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W. And of course, everybody who's reached out to us about Van's book, QAnon and On, A Short and Shocking History of Internet Conspiracy Cults. We really appreciate everybody's support. Van and I will be back with The Week on Wednesday, this Wednesday afternoon. Until then, be kind to yourself and to each other.